Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. A little bit of context about me. I'm one of four siblings. I have an older sister, a younger sister, and a younger brother as well. And when I was a child, I lived completely in awe of my older sister. Um, Despite the fact that she's only 18 months older than me, um, I thought everything she did was absolutely just incredible. And most of our old photos uh, from when we are little just show me physically looking up at my sister um, or copying something she was doing. I was desperate to impress her and for her to think that I was really cool like she was. I lived in awe of her and I still do in many ways. She's now a successful illustrator and still very awe-worthy in my eyes. I wonder if you've ever had someone in your life who you felt that way towards, maybe um, a parent or a sibling or a celebrity um, that you follow, someone that just inspires awe in you. Um, And we're going to talk today about that, specifically about glory, awe-inspiring glory, a word that we see in the Bible many, many times. So we're going to read from John chapter 17, verses 1 to 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can go to John 17, 1 to 5. It says, Jesus prays for himself. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you, before the world began. So just to set the scene here, Jesus is sitting in the upper room uh, with his disciples and they've just eaten a Passover meal together and then they're at that stage in the evening where they finished eating and they're having uh, one of those deep conversations. And as Jesus is is speaking to his disciples, um, it seems clear that it was especially heavy on his heart to explain to them how they should go forward and what he expected of them because he was leaving them. And that night, in just a few hours' time, he would go to the Garden of Gethsemane and then be betrayed by Judas and then get arrested. And a few hours after that, he would be nailed to a cruel cross and then again after that, rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. He was leaving them. And these men had devoted the last three years of their lives to following his every step and listening to his every single word. And now he was leaving them and so he prepared them for it. And in these verses... Jesus prays, and it's actually the longest recorded prayer that we hear from Jesus in the whole Bible. So it's a really fascinating insight into Jesus' relationship with his Father. And one of the main things from these five verses um, that Jesus prays is he prays for glory for the Son and for the Father. And from these verses, it's, it's evident that the Son and the Father have this relationship where they can glorify each other. Now, we can quite often hear this word glory or glorify and perhaps not fully understand what it means. So in Hebrew, it literally translates to weight or heavy. Um, So to glorify someone else, a bit like what I did with my older sister, means to give their life weight 
basically to, to honour them. So you might glorify someone who you think is worthy of honour. So God the Father and God the Son have this relationship then where they bring glory to each other. And so here we're getting a glimpse into how the Trinity functions in this way. And the really beautiful thing about this glory and about this prayer that Jesus prays is that amazingly it involves us. We are able to be part of the glory of God. And so we're going to look today at the different ways in which we can live our lives to glorify God. So firstly, I think we glorify God when we truly, truly know him. Uh, This week uh, on Monday, Mondays are my day off, and I tend to go for a walk, a nice long walk on a Monday. So I went for a walk um, in the park near my house. And as I was on my way there, I saw these two huge sunflowers um, in someone's front garden. And they stood probably actually a little bit taller than me. They were absolutely huge. And their heads were directly facing the sun. Now, I don't know that much about um, the science behind sunflowers, but I can assume from their name and, and from the fact that I only really see them in summer that they like the sun. It's part of who they are. They can only survive in the sunlight. They know they need it, and so they face towards it. And this kind of struck me as I walked past them. I began to think how similar this is um, sometimes to us in our walks with God. When we know God, we will act accordingly. And we can glorify him, just like those beautiful, um, robust and really tall sunflowers were glorifying God by just standing there, by just being, by facing the sun, and they were absolutely thriving. I wonder if you've ever um, seen a really beautiful sunset or sunrise or a huge mountain that just takes your breath away. I would definitely recommend the Lake District if you want to have one of these um, holy moments. In nature, we get to see the glory of God. And amazingly, in our passage today, in Jesus' prayer, we learn that the glory of God still existed um, even before the creation of the world. We glorify God by standing rooted in the truth of who we are in him and who he is. In Psalm 92, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of God. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and evergreen. When we take the time to get to know God, to know his word and to let his word feed us every single day, we become exactly what God created us to be, objects of his love that glorify him just by simply existing. I had um, an experience a few years ago that really um, helped me learn this truth the hard way. I'd gone um, away for a year of mission work in Nicaragua in Latin America. Um, And as I'd left to go on this year away, I was just absolutely brimming with expectation of all these um, fantastic things that I was going to do and how God would use me for these big things and how this was basically just going to be the start of everything. This was going to be the start of my life. Um, But when I got there, various different circumstances meant that I couldn't really do that much. Um, I was quite isolated, um, didn't really understand any of the the type of Spanish they were speaking. Um, The ministry I'd come to support had actually fallen apart as I arrived, and the leadership of it had split, so it became um, inactive. And so I found myself sitting alone, basically, in a bedroom um, for days on end. And this was was really painful, but it, it was as though God had really taken me to a place where all I could do was learn from his word and pray. Not because I'd suddenly become holy, um, but because there was literally nothing else for me to do. Um, So I sat and read the Bible and began to really learn that my identity in God and the way that I could glorify God could not be found in the things that I could do for him. 
um, but simply in accepting who I was in him and what he'd done for me. And this is the kind of glory that we can partner with God in, not a glory that is going to elevate ourselves um, and it's about what we're doing right, um, but a glory that comes from simply being and simply accepting Jesus as the one who's done all the work and went through all the pain on our behalf. And we see another example um, of the glory of God in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus is baptised. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a, verse, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. What an incredible moment. This was certainly a manifestation of the glory of God coming down um, onto earth. But my favourite part about this passage um, is God the Father's affirmation of God the Son. Again here, they're, they're showing this relationship where they glorify each other. God affirms his love for his Son, and not only that, but that he is pleased with him. And crucially, God says this about Jesus. He says, I'm pleased with my Son before he's even begun his ministry. He hasn't, he's yet to do anything um, except for be born. Uh, God the Father is pleased with him before he's done anything And that brings them both glory, this affirmation. And we can glorify God by partnering with this truth as well. I wonder how many of us can say that we have a relationship with God in which we fundamentally know deep down he is pleased with us despite us. That he is pleased even before we've done anything or accomplished anything good for him. God is glorified when we know him and when we know and believe who he says that we are. Secondly, we can glorify God by living as though everything we read in the Bible is 100% true. Now, this might sound a little bit weird. Um, many of us here who, who may be Christians already might say, well, I already know that everything in the Bible is true. I do believe that 100%. Um, but do we all really live as though that's the case? Because it's actually really, really hard to do, especially if you've been a Christian for a little while. You might um, hear certain verses and they can just wash right over your head. It can be really hard to keep that flame alive of living for the glory of God. But as I said earlier, we glorify God by really getting to know God, and we can do this by spending time in his word. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, say, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Imagine if we really, really lived this day in, day out. Surely it would change uh, the way we speak, the way we think, the way we spend our time, even the way we eat and sleep and exercise and spend money. I think it would change absolutely everything. The same with a verse in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind imagine if we lived every day as though that one was true we'd be absolutely fierce I'd probably do um, a bungee jump or something we would be able to live under the authority of God and not be um, governed by our own fears whatsoever and now imagine those people in your lives who maybe you know who who aren't believers yet imagine what they would see We can show God's glory to the world that is watching us by living out what the Bible says and pursuing holiness with everything we've got. 
A few weeks ago, um, I met with a woman who's in remission for cancer from cancer, and she now has a 60% chance of actually getting cancer again. Um, but she's a woman of so much faith that her whole perspective and relationship with God is just so robust, and I was just so, so inspired when I was talking to her. She knows and accepts and said to me, I know my life is just like a mist, just like the Bible says, a mist that appears and disappears. Her perspective on life and death is such a godly one. She said to me, well, what do I have to prove anymore? My life is God's and I want to give him everything. It's so incredible to be in the presence of someone who, even through deep suffering and fear of death, knows God all the better and their life actually glorifies God in a way that I'd definitely never seen before. Because in her own way, she's, she's telling the world, I've got nothing to prove, I've got nothing to be scared of, I know who God is. And this isn't a faith in which uh, we can occasionally just pick up our Bibles and turn up to church and hope that it's going to carry us through. This is a moment-by-moment moment decision to keep on denying your flesh and to live for the glory of God every single day. And this was Jesus' great mission on earth, to, de- to declare the glory of God to the world. And Jesus, in everything he was and everything he did, is the incarnation and ultimate revelation of the glory of God. And so our best bet when it comes to trying to live entirely for the glory of God is to look to him. When I was a teenager, I was completely obsessed with um, a singer, Taylor Swift, who then was a really like small, not very well-known country singer, um, and now is like a global superstar. And my bedroom walls were absolutely covered with just pictures of her face. You just couldn't see the colour of my walls, um, just because, yeah, her face was just everywhere. Um, and uh, so I, I basically, I learned to play guitar so that I could imitate her. I tried to dress like her. I learned everything I could about her life um, so I could just, just carry on being this obsessive fan. And I could spot a true Taylor Swift fan um, from miles off. I could tell if they were genuine fans or not by how many really, really old songs they knew, some of these unreleased songs that no one's actually heard, um, or like other random creepy facts about her life that no one, no one should know. Um, but now, instead of striving to be fans of celebrities, if we're wanting to be true disciples and followers of Jesus who glorify him with everything we do, we must copy him with that same teenage obsession I had when I was 14. We must copy him in his humility, his servanthood, his mercy, his peace, his boundaries, his faith, his willingness to be interrupted by the voice of God, his compassion, his love for the hurting and the broken and the weird people that we meet in the world. And the more we make ourselves look like Jesus, the more we will glorify God. And this is This is really hard to do in our world today where there are so many voices, so many distractions, so many new apps and TV shows that are all vying for our attention. It requires a lot more now than it did even just a few years ago to quiet your mind and your environment and tune in to the voice of God. But looking to Jesus and focusing on him is our only way to glorify God. At the end of our passage, um, Jesus prays and asks his father to glorify him in his presence. He's essentially saying to God, I know what's coming now, let's do this. Jesus humbled himself and submitted himself to death, all for the glory of God, so that we, even us, who are sinful and broken, could share and partake in this glory. Tim Keller said, Jesus lost all his glory so that we could be clothed in it. 
He was shut out so that we could get access. He was bound and nailed so that we could be free. He was cast out so that we could approach. We were meant to glorify God and point to God's goodness. And we can do this by receiving salvation, not by our own goodness or our own works, but purely through everything that Jesus did and gave up for us on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is my favourite verse in the whole Bible. and It just says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, if you're here this morning and you know that right now your life um, looks so different from being a life lived for the glory of God, you're completely in the right place. Jesus wants to meet with each of us and reveal to us those places where we need to repent, or in other words, where we need to be turned around. What Jesus did on the cross cost God the Father so, so much, and the good news for us this morning is that it was enough. We can approach God this morning with boldness and confidence and bring him those areas of our lives where we're still living for ourselves, and we can trust that he will help us. God's glory is our mission but it's also our identity as followers of Jesus.